When you have health insurance, it's easy to forget about your out-of-pocket costs. That can be a lot of money. But are your bills accurate? Well, it's estimated that over 50% of medical bills contain errors. HealthLock can help you. HealthLock technology securely connects with your insurance and flags any overbilling, wrong codes, and fraud. You can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. To date, HealthLock has helped its members save over $130 million. So to save, visit HealthLock.com today. That's HealthLock.com today. I know you're paying attention to global events as well as what's going on in our nation. War and increased conflict is bubbling up in more places. Countries are buying and hoarding massive amounts of gold. Why aren't you? It's time to pull the trigger with the Oxford Gold Group and buy gold and silver. Nobody can predict the future, but we can't put our head in the sand either. Call Oxford Gold Group right now and you may qualify for up to $10,000 in free precious metals. Call 833 833- 995 gold that's 833-995-GOLD, 833-995-G-O-L-D. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives. But those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp's software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome to today's edition of the Clay Travis and Buck Sexton Show podcast. Second hour of Clay and Buck kicks off right now. And we know that Hunter Biden got a uh, sweetheart deal from the Department of Justice and the federal prosecutors uh, that were looking at him for five years. You know, Jonathan Turley wrote a very good op-ed on this one. And uh, I've also, I saw Tucker's monologue on this on uh, Twitter yesterday. And a couple of important points from that. One, think about what went on here. This is from from the, the Turley op-ed. I think it was in New York Post. Uh, he says, because there are a lot of this, we we covered the main things yesterday. Uh, I, I told you it was going to be deferred prosecution on the felonies. So, so basically, no felonies, only misdemeanors. Wipe the whole thing away. And now the key is they use this to try to shut down anything looking into the Bidens more broadly. They're going to say, we already dealt with that. Hunter already faced justice. Sure he did. We know, though, that that's the plan. But there were a couple of additional details that when Clay and I were on together yesterday, we we didn't really dive into. Uh, and one of them is, this is, again, uh, from the Turley op-ed, why did it take five years? Five years. They looked at this for five years, and what they came up with was a gun charge that was obvious from the beginning, which they put into a diversion program. A diversion program, which is usually for, you know, addicts. But Hunter's not an addict anymore. 
So why does he get this? Oh, it's not his fault. He's an addict. Let's put him in a diversion program. Seems kind of strange, right? There are, there's other um, deferred prosecution agreements that can exist. But generally speaking, this one looks like they set it up like, oh, well, Hunter's an addict, so we got to give him special treatment. But they, they gave him special treatment because he's Joe Biden's son. All right. So five years for a misdemeanor failure to file. Failure to file. Right. Okay. That's interesting. There's a lot more they could have gone for. The one, though, that is entirely both inexcusable from a legal perspective and um, politically very potent, the, the, you can understand the rationale behind this, is the lack of a, a FARA charge, Foreign Agent Registration Act. Now, FARA is, uh, this is one of those laws that basically didn't really, you know, didn't really get enforced at all. It didn't get enforced at all until uh, Trump came along. It's a little bit in that regard like the Logan Act. The Logan Act has not been used in over, I think, 150 years. It's been around for a long time. Uh, it has to do with interfering in the foreign policy of the United States. And it, it goes back to an earlier era where the country was surrounded by Britain, Spain, France, and there were uh, people, individual citizens, engaged in machinations with those foreign governments, not on behalf of the United States government, right? But the Logan Act has never been used against anybody, but they dusted it off. Remember this. I, I, I think that we often put these things out of our minds because we don't want to believe that this country is turning into a, an, a totalitarian collectivist nightmare. But it is edging in that direction year after year. It is taking steps in that direction. So it, there's a little bit of a disbelief that I think we have to fight through. Remember what they did to General Flynn. General Flynn was the incoming national security advisor, and they used the Logan Act, and this was Comey, the same Comey who had Martha Stewart when he was the prosecutor in Connecticut uh, sent to prison for five months for basically nothing. You know, lying about a conversation she had about a non-criminal activity, which was talking to her stockbroker. That's what happened. Five months in prison for Martha Stewart. Yeah. But when we look at what they did with Logan Act, they created a legal pretext to go after somebody. And what you realize is that if the authorities want to do that, they can do this with anybody. Think... Think about how easy it is to um, to swat someone. What do you do? You call the police and you say, oh, I, I see somebody, you know, he's, he's got a gun in a house and I'm scared and he's threatening people. And then, you know, they go in. And this is a horrible thing that has happened to people I know in conservative media. Horrible thing where, you know, all cops all come running in and people can die because of this. Right. Well, because you're creating the false pretext of the need for massive law enforcement response. That's what swatting somebody is. So that's an abuse of law. It's a crime. What the DOJ did in the Logan Act situation with um, General Flynn was they pretended that this was a crime that anybody cares about so they could entrap him in a conversation with their note-taking. What was the real record of what he said? Oh, it's whatever the FBI says. Okay. And they, they took him out that way. Now you look at Paul Manafort. And this is why I'm talking about this. They dusted off Farah. 
just like they dusted off Logan Act to go after Manafort, no one had ever, think about that, no one in the history of the country had ever gone to prison for a Logan Act violation. I think they brought one case a long time ago, and it was like thrown out. I mean, it's a, it's a joke. They dusted off the FARA, and they used it against Manafort. Now, if there was ever a time where there was an open-shut case for a violation of law under FARA, it would be Hunter Biden. He is the son of the vice president when he's doing some of this. He is meeting with foreign nationals. He is a bag man taking millions and millions of dollars from them, obviously to advance the interests of those foreign governments and foreign nationals. I mean, this is the most clear, and, and I, I, Tucker, by the way, a brilliant point that Tucker made on his uh, Twitter show yesterday, which was, how's Hunter Biden even supporting himself? I mean, this guy, he's got, he's paying $20,000 a month in child support to the child that he doesn't even want to have the Biden name. And he's now won that in court. Not, not carrying the name. He's disavowed this child. That's the kind of guy he is. And so has Joe Biden, the grandfather, disavowed the child. Not the child's fault. But Joe Biden's a make believe Catholic who thinks that abortion all nine months of a pregnancy is, you know, a fundamental right. So these people are soulless, soulless. That's not a surprise at all. But Tucker makes this point that you have Hunter Biden supporting himself. No one even really knows how. And he supported himself for years. And not just barely. I mean, Hunter's not sitting around, you know, opening up Kansas SpaghettiOs in a 400-square-foot studio. This sounds like me in Manhattan like a few years back. But, you know, in some tiny studio, just making, making, he's living in, you know, a mansion in Malibu, and he's driving around in like a Porsche or a Ferrari or whatever. I mean, Hunter's living really well. And then you go, oh, that's right, the paintings, the paintings. And there's no interest in looking into that situation either. Hunter Biden's finger paintings, and if you see them, they really do look like something that a toddler in the third grade would do with a paintbrush. No offense to any toddlers out there. Or I guess you're not a toddler, but a young kid in the third grade. You know what I mean? You know, painting and painting and selling them for $50,000 for prints. I mean, it was, I was watching the Tucker thing on Twitter. I said to myself, oh, my gosh, that's right. Because I used to, when I would argue with the hacks over at CNN when they still had conservatives on in, say, 2015, that the Clinton Foundation, can't believe it's eight years ago now, the Clinton Foundation was a scam. It was a pass-through fake charity that gave tax-advantaged donations for the Clintons to support their lifestyle and their brand and to run effectively a super PAC under the guise of a charity, which that's that's how gross the Clintons are. They, you know, they're even gross when it comes to charity. And I always said, you know, you're paying Hillary $300,000. No one makes $300,000 of speech. Bill got paid, I think, at one point, $800,000 for a speech. That's not getting paid for a speech. when It was by a Russian bank. That's a bribe. Why do you think North Korea at one point had an inquiry? Remember this? About either Bill or Hillary speaking for a fee. It's a bribe. And they were trying to do this over and over again from countries that were so uh, unacceptable, that we such a politically damaging revelation that the Clintons were like, okay, fine. I mean, they made uh, personally $100 million off of speeches and, and books. Let me tell you, that's really hard to do. Books that nobody buys and speeches that nobody remembers. But my point in this 
is that I used to say, I said, well, what if Hillary said, oh, I'm not, I'm a painter, you know, I'm painting now, because that's how Hillary sounds. And all of a sudden she's saying her paintings are worth a million dollars each or something. And and only foreign buyers are buying them, right? Only like the you know the Saudis, the Russians, the Chinese are buying Hillary's foreign paintings at a million dollars a piece. That's not a bribe, right? I used to use that as the example of what a sham the Clinton Foundation was, and that is what Hunter Biden is doing. Oh yeah, I'm a painter now. Sure you are, buddy. The whole thing is is as corrupt as it gets, and and this is the problem for the Democrats. There's no turning back for them with any of this, because what what is their their biggest their biggest sense of moral superiority is Trump's a criminal that's really what they think Trump is a criminal is what they always say and if there's just enough of the public that recognizes that what is a bigger threat what is honestly as an american a bigger threat to um your sense of the government as working in your interest Donald Trump having some boxes of documents in a, you know, uh, a locker or the shower or whatever, or the son of the sitting president being a bagman for China and Ukraine and go down the list. And I'm sure there's even some we haven't heard of yet to the tune of millions and millions of dollars, which is more likely. But first of all, they're, they're both criminal right now. You could say, hold on a second. You're saying the Trump thing is criminal. Yeah, but it's criminal in the way that, you know, a lot of things could be if you want to make the case. But one of them doesn't matter to you, and the other does. One of them actually has an effect on what the likely course of U.S. policy is, and the other is a document dispute. But they bring they bring the one charge with the fullest force of the law against Trump, and with Hunter Biden, they make the whole thing disappear. Remember this. They're trying to shut down everything around the Biden crime family because it is a real risk with the whistleblower who's come forward, with the information about this. We can see what's going on. And they only seem, they only seem interested in the law when it is a weapon against Republicans. And, and I don't just mean even politically, in general. Uh, you know, someone's a criminal. Someone's done terrible things. You know, let's let's give him another chance. Unless you're a Republican, if you are a Republican and you know you have doc, <laughs> never your former president, but if you're a Republican and you um, commit jaywalking, they start screaming, "The law is the law." If you're a Democrat and you're running around getting paid $50,000 for reproductions of crappy artwork that are obvious efforts to try to curry influence and try to get bribery going for the Biden crime family, on top of the millions set aside in LLCs, on top of the fact that this wasn't just, I forgot to file. That's not even the right charge. He didn't forget to file his taxes. He refused to tell the government about millions of dollars from overseas interest. Why? It wasn't going to be a good luck, a good look for pops for 10% for the big guy. So we all see the politics. We see what's going on here. And, and that's, I think, what causes so much of the frustration and so much of the, um, the anger that's out there. They're telling you to not believe your lying eyes and ears. They care about justice. Ignore what you're actually seeing. And we sit here and we say no. We say no. Look, we are all still feeling the effects of inflation. Inflation is still high, and prices are really high, especially for the stuff you need day in and day out at the gas station, the supermarket, home repairs, restaurants, you name it. 
Most of us are paying these bills with a credit card. Consumer debt rose over a trillion dollars in the last year. That's the biggest increase in 20 years. But if you're a homeowner, there's a way out. There's some help. Call our friends at American Financing. They'll put together a plan to pay off that high-interest credit card debt and create meaningful savings for you every month. They're saving people just like you up to $1,000 a month and closing on the paperwork in as fast as 10 days. Don't wait. Get yourself into a better position. Call their salary-based mortgage consultants today and see how much you can save. The 25 years of experience and 7,000 glowing Google reviews speak volumes about their ability to save homeowners money. And if you start today, you could delay two mortgage payments, giving you greater savings up front. Call American Financing today, 800-777-8109. That's 800-777-8109. Or visit AmericanFinancing.net, NMLS 182334, NMLS Truth after truth, you can handle the truth. Clay Travis and Buck Sexton. Why are people still on the fence about owning gold and silver? I just don't understand. Have we already forgotten about regional bank closures, inflation, global instability, and the potential for serious world conflicts? You can look to precious metals for various reasons. One, having tangible currency on hand as part of your bug-out plan. Two, diversifying your portfolio as a hedge against inflation. And three, historically, gold increases in value over time. You keep yourself informed about global events. You see the increase in conflicts around the globe. Countries are buying and hoarding massive amounts of gold. Why aren't you? It's time to pull the trigger with the Oxford Gold Group and buy gold and silver. Nobody can predict the future, but we can't put our head in the sand either. The people with Oxford Gold Group are real pros. They make owning gold and silver simple and easy to understand. Call Oxford Gold Group right now and you may qualify for up to $10,000 in free precious metals. Call 833-995-GOLD. That's 833-995-GOLD. One more time, 833-995-G-O-L-D. The number one fantasy sports app in America is Prize Picks. It's the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Five million members already active on Prize Picks. If you've not yet downloaded Prize Picks, do it today. Unlike other apps on prize picks, it's just you against the number. It's about the players and not the teams. You look for the sports you know best and that you follow the most. Then you make a single decision on each player projection, more or less. Every time you play, you pick two to six players and make that one decision. You can win up to 100 times your money on prize picks with as little as four picks. More player action on prize picks now than ever, and it's the best way to get action on sports in more than 30 states now. Prize picks also gives you injury insurance so your picks stay in play even if one of your players gets injured. Download the free prize picks app and open your account. Use my name Clay for a first deposit match up to $100. Download the prize picks app. Use promo code CLAY, that's C-L-A-Y, to get set up and get a deposit match up to $100. Pick more, pick less. It's that easy. Grand Canyon University, a private Christian university in beautiful Phoenix, Arizona, believes that we're endowed by our Creator with certain unalienable rights to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. GCU believes in equal opportunity, and the American dream starts with purpose. GCU equips you to serve others in ways that promote human flourishing and create a ripple effect of transformation for generations to come. By honoring your career calling, you impact your family, your friends, and your community. 
Change the world for good by putting others before yourself to glorify God. Whether your pursuit involves a bachelor's, master's, or doctoral degree, GCU's online, on-campus, and hybrid learning environments are designed to help you achieve your unique academic, personal, and professional goals. With over 330 academic programs as of September 2023, GCU meets you where you are and provides a path to help you fulfill your dreams. The pursuit to serve others is yours. Let it flourish. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private. Christian. Affordable. Visit gcu.edu. All right, it's hour three of Clay and Buck right now, everybody. Thanks for being here. Clay uh, on vacation today, going with his boys to a Yankee game. I'm going to take you through this third hour. Well, it's going to go by in a flash because we got a lot to talk about. Ryan Gerdusky, friend of the show, author of the uh, National Populist uh, newsletter on Substack. He's going to be with us at the bottom of the hour. So coming up in a little bit to talk about the really interesting and recurring question that we've had on the program, which is, is it going to be Biden? Now, what I I can tell you about Ryan is he's looked at, it's not just the opinion of, well, do Democrats like Biden enough? Or it's what would it require for Biden? And I mean by process. What would it require for Biden to step aside, not step down from being president, but effectively let there be a primary to occur, how that would actually work, meaning what the timing of this would be. Is it possible? Because I think we keep returning to this uh, question over and over again. And I'm just telling you, my I've you know, we had uh, what did we have Uncle Bill on yesterday? We had Bill O'Reilly on yesterday. Um, Yeah, Uncle Bill was with us yesterday. You know, he's he still thinks there could be something going on. And a lot of people do. I'm feeling very confident in my prediction that uh, you're going to have Joe Biden as the Democrat nominee. I just don't think they'll give up incumbency. I just don't think they'll do it uh, because I, I have I have confidence. I don't even think that it's it will be easier for Trump or DeSantis to beat a non-Biden nominee. Uh, I, I think even some of the other presidential contenders, you know, uh, I I think. If let's say it was Gavin Newsom, you know, I think Gavin Newsom would have a tough time. I think uh, Kamala Harris would have a tough time against a number. Of, anyway, I don't think we have to go there, though, because it's going to be, in my mind, going to be Biden. We'll talk to Ryan about some of the hurdles. Uh, and if I'm wrong, I'm going to have to buy Clay uh, one of the stakes. I think he owes me like two now, maybe three uh, on bets. So we'll get to that. Also, some breaking news for you here. Uh, the Coast Guard has says this is uh, breaking news just hit in the last uh, last. Let me see, 20, 30 minutes or so. I'm just seeing it. Uh, the Coast Guard says there's more underwater banging noises that have been heard in the search for that missing uh, sub, uh, uh, the, the sub that was down looking at the Titanic wreckage, 12,500 feet below the surface. Uh, oh, yeah. Oceans are uh, are amazing. They are awesome in the sense of awe-inspiring, right? I mean, they are, uh, it's, it's, it's crazy when you think about it. I, I believe in the Mariana uh, Trench, I think that is the deepest place in the ocean on the planet. And it goes further down than even Mount Everest. Am I right on that one, guys? You got to be careful. There's a lot of these facts that fly around on uh, like Instagram and Twitter and stuff. And you got to fact check them. Just like I always tell people, 
If you see a great quote online, go find the primary source. Go find the primary source because even Abraham Lincoln knew, don't trust everything you see on the Internet, he said. Uh, it's very important to check your primary sources. So um, we, we are. I'm hoping that there's going to be a, a miracle here. It, it reminds me, if that were to happen, it's a bit of a reminder of, of that uh, situation of the Thai soccer team. Yeah, I don't know if you've seen the, the movie that Ron Howard made of it. It's a very watchable, very good movie where you have this Thai soccer team that's exploring these caves. Thailand's an amazing country, by the way. I went many years ago with my brother. Highly, highly recommend. It's just, it's an incredible country. I don't know what else to say. There's like uh, tons and tons of things to recommend. Amazing food, amazing culture. Uh, super nice, uh, friendly, uh, folks. So anyway, um, but a Thai team there, a soccer team got in this cave system and the, and there was a flash flood and they got stuck and then they had to take, I don't want to give away because if you haven't seen the movie, but if you know the story, the way they managed that rescue and that they didn't lose a single, I bring it up. They didn't lose a single child. I bring it up because it gives me hope that we could have a miracle here. Uh, it gives me hope that we could have a, Remember that feeling you had when the uh, miracle on the Hudson occurred with with Sully, with Captain Sullivan, and he landed that plane, and for it just felt like for a, a couple of days there, everyone was just wow. Sometimes you know the the good guys win, a miracle happens, and everyone's okay. I, I hope that we have a moment like that here. I, I know it is. The odds are, I you know I don't even get into the odds. I'm not even going to get into the odds. Pray. Pray for these five that they are going to be saved here. Um, we will know by tomorrow. If if they don't save them, it's all over. So pray that it happens today. We'll, if we have any breaking news on this, we'll certainly tell you about it uh, right away. Oh, just to, the Mariana Trench is the deepest part of the ocean. And uh, it turns out, yeah, my, my geography knowledge is pretty sound. It is 36,000. 201 feet deep, almost seven miles down. Nature's incredible. Uh, it's an amazing world we live in here. All right, let's talk about the Trump interview for a second. I didn't spend a lot of time on this one today. Um, because or We talked about it a little bit yesterday. Brett Baer uh, sitting down with, with Trump. Uh, Brett Baer, I, I would think, I think a lot of people would, would agree with me. Um, one of the top interviewers in the game. Really, really good, knows his stuff, doesn't push too much, doesn't... I'm just talking about skill level. Never mind the, whether you like how he interviewed Trump. I'm just saying in general. And even uh, even uh, O'Reilly, when he was with us yesterday, he says, I've interviewed Trump. Interviewing Trump is... He's just a force of nature. And and his mind is, is going at this, you know, all the time in all these different directions. And if you try to... And the problem is, I've actually, I'll tell you this, I've interviewed him before where I, I wanted to jump in with a question or, or something, and he'll even disarm you with a funny little aside for a second. And so you as the interviewer kind of laugh for a minute. You know, he's like, excuse me. And then he'll say something that's funny, you know, a little playful, a little amusing. And then you, oh, I've forgotten my question before because he said something funny, and then he went back to what he's talking about. So it's some people, you interview them, and it's like, you know, it's like throwing a baseball back and forth in the backyard. It's just, you know, you catch it, you throw it. You catch it, you throw it. It's really straightforward. With, with Trump, you are, it's, it's a lot. It's a lot going on. Um, and he, they covered a lot of ground in this uh, second part of the, of the Trump interview. 
Um, one thing that I thought was uh, particularly interesting um, was where he got into how he feels. Because I had told you this before. One of the few places I've seen, even from the most diehard Trump supporter, there are really very few places where I will see them be critical of anything Trump has said. I think the only exception to that is on vaccine-related issues. That's where I've seen some people who say, I voted for Trump twice, I'll vote for him a third time, I'd vote for him 15 times. But I wish he would say things a little differently about the vaccine now. And this is going to be, you know, because this is going to be litigated again as part of the 2024 election, the whole lockdown, COVID response that whole phenomenon, right? We have not had a presidential election since COVID. Um, you know, first time around 2020. We have not had, we have had a midterm. And here he is on the mRNA shots. And this, this I think was the single part of the Brett Bear interview that got the most attention, play seven. I have a Democrat friend who's very smart. Said, I don't understand one thing about you. I watch your rallies. They're incredible. You talk about beating ISIS. You talk about taxes. You talk about everything. But you never, I've never heard you talk about the incredible job you did with the vaccines. Because as you know, I got them done in nine months and it was supposed to take anywhere from five to 12 years. I broke their ass. Okay. And he said, you may have saved in the world throughout the world, a hundred million people, and you never talk about it. I said, I really don't want to talk about it because as a Republican, it's not a great thing to talk about because for some reason, it's just not. For some reason? Yeah, for some reason, because people love the vaccines and people hate the vaccines. As a Republican, it's not good to talk about. Hmm. Okay. I, I wish we had gotten a little more of uh, specificity there because he, here's what I think Trump could say about this issue that would really handle it um, elegantly uh, and, and clearly. I think Trump could say, I broke down at a moment of national panic. I broke down regulatory barriers from FDA and everybody else. I got the red tape out of the way and... I I always like the Rumsfeld quote, you know, you go to war with the army you have because it's 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 true. And it was actually at the end of all the Rumsfeld had given. Remember, remember, Rummy, do you guys remember Sergeant Rumsfeld? I mean, not Sergeant <laughs> Donald Rumsfeld. Um, you, you remember Rumsfeld and, and he would talk uh, about. What was going on in the early days of the Iraq war and they they hit him on this thing, he said, you go to war with the army you have. Yeah, that's true. What he was talking about was all the changes they were making up armoring Humvees and things like that Were they ill-prepared for the war we were going to be fighting with the insurgency yes but you go to vi- you go to war with the virus with the medical army that you have so to speak meaning you got to call on the national you know cdc and you got to call on the hospital system and he- and i think trump could easily say here and this would deal with it pretty well Look, I knocked down the, Trump wasn't down there with a Bunsen burner and a beaker and, you know, playing with the mRNA stuff to figure. No, of course not. Right. What he could say is he knocked down the barriers, the regulatory barriers to clear the deck at a moment of national crisis to put the system in the best possible place to give out the best vaccine. The mandates were not Trump and the mandates were appalling and wrong. And the 
development of the actual vaccines wildly underperformed in the end with the outcomes we saw and were far higher risk profile than the experts believed at the time. I think that's, if I were advising Trump, and I am better at this than a lot of the Trump advisors, I'm just going to say it, that would be an approach to it. That would be the way that I would answer that question. Challenge that I think Trump runs into on this is when he says the vaccine saved hundreds of millions of lives. He he has this inclination to to conflate getting it done to get us the vaccine that could be produced and the vaccines being awesome. The vaccines were not awesome. That is not accurate, right? That's a that's a ch- that's not his fault. But they're going to come after him on this one. And I know a lot of you who, like I said, you're not a two-time Trump voter. You're a 10-time Trump voter, meaning you would vote for him no matter what. You're Trump no matter what. This is one issue where I think people would want him to have a little clarity on it. This is one place where I think he could take a slightly different approach because that was the single clip that got the most attention, I think, last night from people. Because uh, you're saying, hold, hold on a second, now we're being told the vaccines were were great? Um that's that's a challenge, right? I can't sit here and tell you every day that the vaccines should absolutely not have been mandated. Trump agrees with that, to be clear. The vaccines should not have been mandated. The vaccines did not work as well as advertised. The vaccines had far higher risk profile than advertised myocarditis for young men specifically, but other things too. Um, and then be like, yeah, the vaccines were awesome. Can't do it, right? Not going not gonna to play that game. I'm going to tell you the truth. So that was the one place. I mean, other than that, you know, there was, he went after... He went after Fox News pretty hard, which was, uh, that was interesting too. Uh, maybe we'll get into some of that. What did you think? And do you think that's a fair assessment? I'll put to the, to the Trump or nothing voters in the audience, is this assessment of Trump on the vaccine fair? Do you think that's uh, a good approach for him? Um, or do you, if you disagree or agree, I want to hear from you. 800-282-2882. You know, a lot of people carry pain with them every day, particularly as we get older. The aches and pains of everyday life are real. We've seen lots of letters from listeners speaking of one of our sponsors, Relief Factor, that has been incredibly effective at minimizing that pain. So when I started my exercise regimen about a year ago, felt like my shoulder pain was getting worse all the time. It really was. It was chronic. And then I started using Relief Factor, and guess what? It just works. It just helps. It reduces that inflammation, that pain you feel in a lot of places. Relief Factor is 100% drug-free. There are just four all-natural ingredients. This product was created by doctors and backed and perfected by over 15 years of scientific research. If you have aches and pains in your joints or your back, don't wait another day. Get Relief Factor. Join the more than 1 million people who have purchased the Quick Start program. It's a great way to begin. Order their three-week Quick Start for only $19.95. Go to relieffactor.com or call 800-4-RELIEF. Get the 1995 three-week quick start developed for you. That's relieffactor.com or call 800, the number four, relief. Making sense in an insane world. Clay Travis and Buck Sexton. All right, welcome back. We've got our friend Ryan Gordusky with us here to answer this question of how would it work if Joe Biden weren't going to be the nominee? Is this even possible? What would the steps be and how would it all go down? Ryan Gordusky is the... Uh, author of the National Populist Newsletter, which you can subscribe to on Substack. Uh, I subscribe to Ryan's newsletter. I think it's excellent. Ryan, thanks for being with us. Thank you for having me. 
Let's start with this, okay? Because every, I mean, it is one of the most commonly talked about thing in politics right now. A lot of polls also feeding into this. Oh, 70% of people uh, think that Biden's too old or, you know, whatever the numbers are. Only 30% want Biden. Yet he is the president. He is the nominee right now. And walk us through this. How would Gavin Newsom take over? How would that actually happen? Right. So this is a common thread you hear over and over is that Gavin Newsom somehow has the nomination locked and it will basically be replaced. And the Democrat organization will just swap one name for the other. And that's not how this works. So, first of all, if Biden was genuinely as weak as people think that he is um, or some polling suggests, you would already have a serious challenger. RFK and Marion Williamson are not the most serious challengers. Um, and yet they pull about 20, 25 percent collectively combined. Um, if there was a serious challenger, as was the case of LBJ when he ran, was going to run for re-election, um, you'd have serious people like RFK had announced he'd run and there was a bunch of other people and obviously had dropped out. So uh, with all intents and purposes, it looks like Biden will be the nominee and that he is not dropping out. If he were to drop out, let's just say next month he says, you know what, I'm too old, I can't do this anymore, I'm not in good health, I have to drop out. There would be a flurry of Democrats, because the primary doesn't end. It's not like they cancel the primary. They still have a primary. And you would see Democrats, including um, the governor of California, as well as the governor of Illinois, uh, J.B. Pritzer, who is worth $3 billion and said he would spend a billion of his own money. You probably would see Jared Polis, the governor of Colorado. You would definitely see Vice President Kamala Harris. You may see Pete Buttigieg. And you might even see Bernie Sanders all sit there and buy for the nomination. The most important voting block for Democrats is older black women in the South, right? Southern, that's why they're also moving elections from, from Iowa and New Hampshire partly to the South. Black voters are establishment Democrat voters. They don't vote for people like Bernie Sanders. They don't vote for people like Pete Buttigieg or Elizabeth Warren. They are establishment Democrats. Only one Democrat presidential candidate in the last 40 years has won the nomination without um, winning huge support from the black community in the South, and that was um, John Kerry. Everyone else, the vote has always come from black voters in the South for 40 years. Right now, Gavin Newsom polls within the low single digits with that group of people. Uh, in, in states that have polled Gavin without Biden on the nomination, he is losing to Kamala in places like South Carolina by 20 points, places in Georgia by 45 points. There's not that many polls, but all polls suggest they don't know who he is and they don't really care for him. Now, that's the first scenario, as if there's going to be a primary. Let's just say the primaries end, Biden gets the nomination, and then he decides he can't do it, right, which is the other scenario. Somehow they're going to sit there and do this. This has happened in in recent history. In 2000, in Missouri, the Democratic governor candidate who was running for Senate died, I think, three weeks before Election Day. Name was on the ballot. The Democrats said, we're going to appoint his wife for a short period of time until we hold another special election. Um, and then his wife won. They voted for the dead guy over the Republican, which was John Ashcroft, who Republic, or Trump, uh, Bush rather put as, uh, as attorney general. Anyway, if Biden were to step away after the nomination, his name would still be on the ballot because ballots are printed months, six to eight months rather before uh, not six to eight months, but several months before the election. 
right? You can't just all of a sudden print new ballots. There's budgets that, that states have dedicated to ballot printing. And also military voter or voters go out, military ballots go out months and months before. So do early, early voting now is almost two months in some states. So the names are already printed. So it would say Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. There are rules that the DNC, the Democratic National Party, have, and the rules are, quote, filling a vacancy on a national ticket in the event of death, resignation, or disability for the party's president or vice president after the national convention, the national chairperson of the Democratic National Committee shall confer with the Democratic leadership of the United States Congress, Democratic Governors Association, and they shall report to the DNC, who will then authorize to fill the vacancy or vacancies. There is no way that the Congress and the Governors Association and the DNC are going to skip one of the people whose name will be on the ballot, which is Kamala Harris, to replace it with somebody who has never ran a national ticket, which is Gavin Newsom. So, so in all in all cases, it would be Kamala, not Gavin Newsom. So this this perfectly transitions into what I wanted to ask, and I wish I wish Clay was here because we 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 go back and forth on this one a lot about who is really the heir apparent. Is it Kamala or is it Newsom? Right, and and there's a lot of this back and forth. I've always, I look, I've been saying all along, I think Newsom thinks 2028, he's the guy, no question. I just don't think he thinks really realistically he's going to be able to make that happen in 2024. Um, but the question I have for you, uh, Ryan, is are we on the right underestimating not the gifts and skills that Kamala has as a politician? Cause I don't think anyone thinks she's an amazing politician, but are we underestimating her as a Democrat electability? Meaning, she would actually do better than people think if she did become the nominee. No, she's a, a, a she's an absolutely candidate, but horrible candidate. And, <laughs> and everyone admits that. Remember in 2010 when she ran for attorney general the first time in California, uh, I think she only won by two points. She's not a good candidate. But that doesn't mean that it's a it's a binary choice. Kamala versus Gavin Newsom. If all of a sudden, the you know, the wheels came off and everyone was running, you know, Gretchen Whitmer, Gretchen Whitmer was uh, won a, a bigger election landslide in Michigan than than uh, than the Democrats won in New York. Um, they he they were showing a bigger landslide than Democrats won in uh, in in a lot of other states. Um, Jared Polis would be the first gay, uh, and he's a moderate, and he was very anti closing all the schools during COVID. There's, I mean, he has certain appeals, and Colorado's a new blue state. Um, you would have to sit there. There's also two senators from Georgia who probably would be interested in running. It's not a binary choice. Gavin Newsom is making a lot of headway because he's doing a lot of press. That doesn't necessarily matter with the Democrat electorate overall, though. I think he floated things like giving reparations to black voters because he was saying, oh, maybe there'll be a spot for me and I need to win the appeal of southern black voters. Um, but he can't make good on that because it's the the budget for the reparations is too high in California campaign. And he's already walking it. Back. Wait, but who, who would be right now, based on what we know from the polls, who's the strongest with that constituency you bring up uh, who delivered the 2020 nomination to Joe Biden? Right. Which is the yes. uh, black primary Southern voters. Um, who is the strongest with them among the leading Democrats other than Joe Biden? Kamala Harris, there's no question. They're, they are establishing voters. They didn't even support Obama at first until Iowa sat there and voted for him. They weren't even polling well with that because they are, they are establishment Democrats at the so end of the day. And that is why the Democratic Party was move, is moving the primary more to the South to avoid a Bernie Sanders-style progressive from ever getting the nomination. Well, this is also why, I, again, perfect transition here into 
Iowa, New Hampshire. They're, the Democrats are, are effectively, like, tell everybody what, what the change has been to South Carolina and the possibility here. I mean, I just saw that, like, Iowa Democrats are saying, hold on a second, we're supposed to go first, and we're going to go first. So you don't just get yeah. to change this on us. So would, can RFK Jr. Yeah. slip in and maybe get a win? Like, how does that work? So what's happening right now is the Democrats being the racial, uh, the, being the party that cares about race more than anything in the entire world is saying we can't have Iowa and New Hampshire. They're too white and we just, they don't represent us as a party, despite the fact that two out of every three people that voted for Democrats in both 2022 and 2020 were white. They do not want a, a majority white state casting their first vote. It's also that Iowa and New Hampshire have a tendency to vote for more progressive Democrats, but that's besides the point. So they're saying South Carolina should go first and then Georgia should go afterwards. And then we'll get around to Iowa and New Hampshire. Iowa and New Hampshire Democrats are saying, no, that's not going to work with us. We are holding the primary when we want to. Um, and we are doing it first. We'll be the first in the nation for Republicans and for Democrats. So Joe Biden has said if the, if Iowa and New Hampshire goes first, he will not put his name on the ballot in Iowa and New Hampshire. So they will not be able to vote for him. So if I mean, there, it's a lot is still in, a lot of move, pieces are still moving for that to happen. But if they all hold to their cards, then, yeah, Joe Biden will not be on the ballot in Iowa and New Hampshire, and he will not be able to win those first two states. And the delegates, and presumptively, I'm going to imagine RFK Jr. will win the first, possibly win the first two contests, which would be really wild. It's going to be an interesting situation, that much is for sure. What What would you say, just before I let you go, I mean, in your mind, the uh, the odds of Gavin Newsom being the Democrat nominee in 2024, how, how, would, you, how would you gauge that? Uh, a number between one and zero. Like, okay. I mean, it would have to be Biden would have to one either pass away, which I'm not hoping for, but he would have to pass away or uh, he would have to step down in some capacity. And then it would go to the open primary and you'd have a floodgate of people. You know, the, the governor of Illinois, who is a very liberal Democrat, is literally willing to spend a billion of his own money. He owns, I think he's from the Marriott family or something like that, one of the yeah. hotel franchises. A um, billion dollars of his own money, and he would have an operation together in a heartbeat. You'd have to get, it, it's not like you run for president, you appear on MSNBC, and all of a sudden you're the nominee. You have to have field workers. You have to have, you have to make sure you're on the ballot access. It's, it's an immensely large undertaking that takes months and months and months of work. I don't say, and Gavin Newsom could do it. But it's not going to be the blink of an eye, and he's not the favorite walking into this thing. You know, he doesn't have very high name ID with all the Democrats. So he has to build a name ID. You know, you don't do that just by appearing on Sean Hannity's show once and yelling at him. Check out Ryan Gerdusky's National Populist Newsletter, everybody. It is on Substack. Uh, well worth your subscription if you're uh, really into the politics. Ryan does, uh, does some great analysis. Ryan, thanks for being with us. Thank you. The single best pair of slippers, the most comfortable pair you can buy, are back on sale at MyPillow.com. You and so many other listeners continually make the slippers product the number one selling MyPillow product. No surprise then, the team at MyPillow found they could provide them to you at a special great price. So when you use our promo code, Clay and Buck, at MyPillow.com, you can get the all-season slippers for $25. The regular price tag is $149.98. That's over $120 in savings per pair. The My Slippers have an exclusive four-layer design that you won't find in any other slipper. 
Patented layers make these slippers super comfortable and extremely durable. I've actually got them right here under the table as I'm doing the show on my feet right now. So those of you who can see on camera, I've got the My Slippers on. They help relieve stress on your feet, and you can wear them anytime, anywhere. Just go to MyPillow.com, click on the Radio Listener Square, grab a pair of the all-season slippers for $25, regularly priced at $149.98. Enter promo code Clay and Buck or call 800 792 3269. Heard it on the show? Hear more on the podcast. Clay and Buck Podcast Deep Dives. More content, more common sense. Find the guys on the iHeart app or wherever you get your podcasts. Why are people still on the fence about owning gold and silver? I just don't understand. Have we already forgotten about regional bank closures, inflation, global instability, and the potential for serious world conflicts? You can look to precious metals for various reasons. One, having tangible currency on hand as part of your bug-out plan. Two, diversifying your portfolio as a hedge against inflation. And three, historically, gold increases in value over time. You keep yourself informed about global events. You see the increase in conflicts around the globe. Countries are buying and hoarding massive amounts of gold. Why aren't you? It's time to pull the trigger with the Oxford Gold Group and buy gold and silver. Nobody can predict the future, but we can't put our head in the sand either. The people with Oxford Gold Group are real pros. They make owning gold and silver simple and easy to understand. Call Oxford Gold Group right now and you may qualify for up to $10,000 in free precious metals. Call 833-995-GOLD. That's 833-995-GOLD. One more time, 833-995-G-O-L-D. Grand Canyon University, a private Christian university in beautiful Phoenix, Arizona, believes that we're endowed by our creator with certain unalienable rights to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. GCU believes in equal opportunity, and the American dream starts with purpose. GCU equips you to serve others in ways that promote human flourishing and create a ripple effect of transformation for generations to come. By honoring your career calling, you impact your family, your friends, and your community. Change the world for good by putting others before yourself to glorify God. Whether your pursuit involves a bachelor's, master's, or doctoral degree, GCU's online, on-campus, and hybrid learning environments are designed to help you achieve your unique academic, personal, and professional goals. With over 330 academic programs as of September 2023, GCU meets you where you are and provides a path to help you fulfill your dreams. The pursuit to serve others is yours. Let it flourish. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University, private, Christian, affordable. Visit gcu.edu. When you have health insurance, it's easy to think, hey, I'm covered, no worries. Not so fast. Remember, your out-of-pocket costs are not covered by insurance. And that can be a lot of money for your family, but how do you know you're not being overbilled? Well, it's estimated that over 50% of medical bills contain errors. So unless you're a billing expert, how do you know your medical bills are accurate? HealthLock can help. HealthLock is a healthcare technology company that securely connects with your insurance. When your medical claim comes in, HealthLock technology reviews the claims for errors like overbilling, wrong codes, and fraud. HealthLock makes it easy to find and fix hidden errors, so you pay only what you owe. You can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. To date, HealthLock has helped its members save over $130 million. Bottom line, insurance isn't enough. To save, visit HealthLock.com 
Do it before you see another health care provider. HealthLock.com. HealthLock.com. All right, we're going to be closing up shop here shortly today. Thank you for uh, tuning in. Clay will be back tomorrow. And I uh, want to tell you to please subscribe to the Clay Travis and Buck Sexton Show podcast because uh, we have additional content that you won't get anywhere else. It's not on the radio. We're only putting it on podcasts. Uh, download the iHeartRadio app for that and uh, subscribe to Clay and Buck Feed. Uh, I have spoken to, let me see, Pete Hegseth last week was on. Dave Rubin this week was on. We've got some great folks. Longer form podcast interviews uh, there. Also the Tudor Dixon show. So uh, check that out. And one day when I have more time, I'm not working on a book, I'll do some old school history podcasts again. Those of you who know me from the early days, uh, original Saturday Squad. No, I used to do these like history deep dives, real nerd stuff, but fantastic. A lot of fun. Um, the Dracula one still does well every year around, uh, obviously Halloween. So a deep dive on the real Dracula. I was impressed. I, I got to give high five to, to Bill O'Reilly right off the cuff yesterday, just saying Vlad Chepesh and knowing the name of the actual historical figure that the Dracula, uh, horror movie and horror book, uh, character was based off of. So, uh, Bill, uh, Bill's got, uh, got some skill on that one. Got some game. Was impressed. Very, pretty good. Pretty good. Um, Carolyn in Atlanta says she has traveled to the Titanic, Titanic wreck site. And you, wait, so really, Carolyn, you, you did this? You, did you go in this sub? Not in the sub, but we were on, there's two cruise ships that were, uh, ah. leased by the then owner, George Tullock. And, uh, P.H. Narjali was on our ship along with one of the survivors, um, Eleanor Schumann. She was on board with us as well. Wait, so, so you uh, so took a, a surface ship to the site where it went down, and you had survivors of the disaster on with you. Is that, is that right? We had, we had one on board our ship and one on the other ship. We, took, we sailed out of Boston Harbor straight to the wreck site and just circled the site for three days and watched the recovery. And the pr- purpose of the cruise was to watch the first piece of hull section being brought up. It was a 25-ton piece of hull. It had a few portholes in it. It had broken away from the ship, um, and they had then the submersibles then going down constantly bringing up artifacts. The company was bought out in a hostile takeover by a man living here in Atlanta who supposedly has a secret warehouse where a lot of these artifacts are being kept now. Um, But we watched, and we saw it on closed circuit for the last 300 feet being brought up to the surface, and the way they did it was they attached Navy flotation balloons, if you will, filled with a liquid, some sort of liquid gas that was, uh, that would float. And they took it down uh, via the uh, submersible, attached it by, they had seven of them, of these flotation balloons, and they attached it to the hull section and just slowly brought it up. So it's possible that it's possible for something to bring up this sub, whether it's the Navy Right. I mean, so, I don't think so maybe have better technology now. Not necessarily even like a, a a cable that would be cranked, but it could be buoyancy devices that yeah, are exactly. yeah are deployed. Yeah. yeah. Um. But are you? Do you like the Titanic movie? And maybe silly question. But I'm just curious. What do you think? Uh, let's put it this way. I own a replica of the necklace. <laughs> that sounds like yeah, a yes. <laughs> that sounds like a yes. Okay. My hey, that was a great. That was great, Carol. Well. I actually own a piece of coal salvaged from her hull, and that's what got me the invitation to take this cruise. Um, I took my mother along with me. She was living with me at the time, but my her parents were scheduled to take their honeymoon cruise on the Titanic yeah. and had to cancel out at the last minute in but, London for business. But, Carolyn, you would have made room for Jack on the floating door, right? I mean, that's the part of it so. that – right? 
I mean, I know it was cold, but yeah. yeah Thank you for calling in, Carolyn. Thanks for joining us. Appreciate it. Um, Dr. Joe writes in on our VIP. Go to clayandbuck.com for that one. Buck, I agree. Trump needs to have a sit down with someone and get briefed on why the vaccine, the gene therapy jab, wasn't good. But one more thing he needs to address, the public-private partnership issue. He seemed very proud of that, but it's a magic catchphrase, a nefarious strategy of globalists like the World Economic Forum. It's bad. He needs to put that in the correct context. Shields high. Dr. Joe, shields high to you, sir. Thank you very much for uh, writing in. Appreciate it. And uh, hey, team, Clay and I will be back with all of you tomorrow. We're also going to be uh, hanging out together in New York City on Friday. So uh, excited to do a couple more shows this week. I'm just going to say it one more time. Say a prayer for this. Uh, the, the five individuals in this submarine. I, I am praying today and tonight that tomorrow I'll be able to come on the air and tell you that they were saved. Prayers up. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos' picture was already up on the wall. Listen to More Than a Movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, acclaimed comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. And like always, we'll be here every week. You'll hear from TV writers, actors, comics creators, pop culture critics. Nothing is off the table. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. 